0: Romans chapter 15 verse 4. Good evening, welcome. We're going to be in Romans 15 verse 4 to begin our study together this evening. You know, one of the hazards of doing sermon planning so far in advance as is my practice, Mother's Day and Father's Day sometimes just slips right over my head. And about the time I think that bothers me, Jason gets up here and says everything that ought to be said. Thank you, Jason. In Romans, Paul has made the case clear that man's problem is sin and the gospel of Christ is the only remedy to receive forgiveness of sins, hearing the gospel, believing in Christ, confessing that belief, and the apostles said, repent and be baptized and then walk in newness of life. We say that all the time. We're familiar with that. Paul delivers that message in Romans. There are places where he makes reference to some person, event, prophecy, or statement, in the old testament and that sends to us the message that paul believed the old testament was a valuable resource in learning about god and god's plan here he says it very directly romans 15:4 for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The Old Testament contains the law of Moses God gave to the Jews before Christ. And we understand that we are not under that law. We no longer take animals to the altar. Paul made that very clear in Romans chapter 7. But that doesn't diminish from the value of the Old Testament as it informs us of all that God did in his grace leading up to the coming of Christ. And the book contains the creation account, the history of the Israelites, prophecies pointing to Christ, and timeless illustrations of moral value. I want to talk to you tonight about studying Old Testament narratives. Studying Old Testament narratives. I think I know that especially on a Sunday night, I'm talking to Bible readers. What I'm going to say tonight can help you navigate narratives in the Old Testament. I hope it will help us understand and benefit more From what we read in our daily Bible reading, particularly most of the year when we're in the Old Testament. First of all, when I'm talking about an Old Testament narrative, what am I talking about? A narrative is simply a story. It's a true account of something that really happened and it's reported for future generations. It has been calculated that about 40% of the Old Testament is narrative material. The story of Noah and the flood, the story of the Tower of Babel, many stories historically true linked together in sequence related to the history of the Israelites in the Old Testament. As you read the Old Testament, you may feel like you're reading one story after another, but they're all linked. They're all connected. They're united by theme. And the theme is God had a plan. He executed that plan through the Israelite nation. And in doing that, lessons are recorded for us But then, primarily, what that's all about is Jesus coming to die on the cross and make available to us salvation from sin and eternity in heaven. It has been observed that when you navigate through Old Testament narratives, Old Testament stories, there are three levels. I think this is a good way to look at it. One, everything in the Old Testament tells us about God and His plan. That's primary. Everything in the Old Testament tells us about God who had a plan, and as He faithfully worked out that plan, He did so according to men's reasoning slowly, but with purpose, leading history to the coming of Christ. We sometimes call that the story of redemption, or we call it the scheme of redemption. Everything is about God, who God is, and what he did to bring the Savior to the world. So that's top level, God's plan. In executing God's plan, he formed a nation and used that nation. So that's Israel. The Old Testament relates the history of the nation of Israel. That's important because God made promises to Abraham that came to pass through Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and what was happening is God was forming a nation. He formed that nation, and then from that nation, particularly from the tribe of Judah, Christ came. Much of the New Testament makes reference to God's work through God's nation that led to Christ coming. The New Testament refers to that. We can go back and track that in these Old Testament narratives. Prophecies made to Israel. The types and images and instructive material became vital when the apostles told the Jews that their history was about God's plan to save Christ and what they read about in the Old Testament scriptures, what they read about there and heard about, read in the synagogues, was now coming to pass through Jesus Christ. So you have what might be called top level in Old Testament narratives, God and His plan. And then you have God's use of Israel. And third, I'm going to say universal lessons in the Old Testament for anyone today to learn when reading that book. There are, in the Old Testament, examples of good behavior. We learn from those. There are examples of awful, wicked, evil, horrible behavior. And we learn from those examples. There are stories where it is apparent that sin is destroying a family. Or sin is destroying a nation or a people. In the Old Testament, there are cases of courage, courage that came from trusting God. And I'm going to call all that universal lessons. The Old Testament, therefore, instructs us in several valuable ways, forming the background for what is revealed in the New Testament. Top-level, God and His plan... secondly, his use of the nation of Israel, their history being documented, and then universal lessons in the individual narratives. Now, let's move a little deeper. Don't ever think that because I gave you three points, we're done. We're going to move a little deeper now. When you read Old Testament narratives, you're always reading as a disciple of Christ with the eye of of a disciple of Christ. You're looking for things that connect to discipleship described in the New Testament. Now, in most cases, for people who attend on Sunday night, we're more familiar with the New Testament than we are the old, and that is as it should be. But there is built into that a little risk I want to talk about. And that risk is For me to say, as I read the Old Testament, well, I'm under the New Testament. And then just quickly glide by those narratives in the Old Testament. That's when we need to remember what Paul said. Whatever was written in former days was written for our learning so being a disciple of christ i read with the eye of a disciple i look for things that contribute to and connect to discipleship but i also recognize what paul said that these things were written for our learning be aware as you read old testament narratives that not every episode has a self-contained lesson you cannot drop into the Old Testament and pick out four verses and expect that every single time you pick out four verses there's going to be a lesson there. Sometimes it is simply history with supplied context. There may not be a self-contained lesson in that little section you have focused on. It may be about the movement of people from place to place it may be a geographic reference, it may be details having to do with governments or battles that may not have a self-contained lesson. It's just historical context. There may not be some lesson for us there. If we try to force every narrative, every section in the Old Testament into practical application molds, we may get off base. Preachers can be guilty of this. You read an interesting passage and you take three or four points and you find those points in that passage, though they may not, in fact, be there. I tell young preachers when I do that young preacher's workshop every year up in Dallas, I tell them the Old Testament is not a sermon outline book. It's history of God and his dealings with the nation he formed to lead to the Christ he sent. And you have, to, you have to navigate it with that in mind first. Not every episode has a self-contained lesson. Then, not everything reported is recommended. Just because you read about somebody doing something in the Old Testament doesn't mean you need to go out and do that. Remember, there are reports of both good behavior and evil behavior. We imitate the good and learn from it with the eye of a disciple. We are warned by the accounts of evil. Now, that's the introduction. I want us to take up briefly two Old Testament narratives and put to use the very things we've been talking about. We're going to take two examples. They're they're located in the book of Genesis. They're familiar to all of us. And we're going to navigate these two narratives in keeping with what we've presented about the best way to navigate Old Testament narratives. Noah and the flood. Listen, please, as I read from... Genesis 6. By the way, the first thing you're going to do about an Old Testament narrative is to read it. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever. For he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man. And they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only... to make an end of all flesh for the earth is filled with violence through them behold I will destroy them with the earth make yourself an ark of gopher wood make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch this is how you are to make it the length of the ark 300 cubits its breadth 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits make a roof And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, Two of every sort shall come in with you, I'm I'm sorry, come in to you to keep them alive. And also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. So, Noah believed God and did what God said. Everything happened as God said. The flood, the eight souls saved, the rest lost. Four chapters of narratives in Genesis. Now, what do we do with this? Remember at the top level, this was part of God's plan. It teaches us about God and his plan. It expresses his wrath against sin. It expresses his just wrath against sin that we talked about this morning. And from the descendants of Noah came Abraham Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and God used those events and people to form the Jewish nation, and from that nation, Jesus came. So that's top level. Remember, not everything reported in the Bible is recommended for us, so we are not commanded to build an ark. We are reading this narrative with the eye of a disciple of Christ, We are reading this narrative as disciples of Christ, and through that lens, we immediately detect something that pertains to discipleship. Turn to Hebrews 11 and find verse 7. When you read this narrative in the Old Testament through the eyes of a disciple, you immediately recognize something that pertains directly to discipleship, and that is... Fundamentally, the activity of faith. And in fact, New Testament writers bring this up. Here's Hebrews eleven seven: By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. What's happening in Hebrews 11? Instruction is being given to disciples of Christ regarding the maintenance and perseverance of the activity of their faith. So, the flood narrative is part of the history of God's dealings with man and God's plan. It's background for the formation of the nation of Israel. But for us, it reinforces... The value of obedient faith. That's good for us to remember and dwell on every day. But also useful when we speak to others about what faith does. Noah believed and obeyed. And what was written in former times was written for our learning. Back in Genesis now, let's do that again. Turn a few pages to Genesis 11, Genesis 11, the first thing you do about an Old Testament narrative is read it. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and butumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand another speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over all the earth. Now, again, you have top level this tells us about God and God's plan that took in the eyes of man many years to develop a long time according to the way men and women reckon time but we know from our perspective as disciples of Christ the climax of this plan Jesus Christ who came to die and be raised and ascended to the Father for us to be saved and again this shows an event prior to but related to God's intention to form a nation from the offspring of Abraham. God was going to do that. But what are we to learn from this with the eye of a disciple? What is being illustrated? I want to bring up two things. One about God and the other about man. This is in the framework of universal lessons about God, the truth documented here that's illustrated is God's will will be done. You can't stop God from doing what He has determined to do. Even when you think you've interrupted Him, He isn't hindered. He scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. The very thing they had sought to avoid God did. So we say about this, God's will be done. And then, this narrative says something about man. This narrative says something about man's obsession with wanting to build something big. I read something several years ago that Sewell Hall wrote. And I'm going to share that with you. Brother Hall said, Big is not always good. Of all people who have ever lived, Americans may well be the most intoxicated with bigness. We take pride in living in the biggest cities in attending the biggest school and undergoing surgery in the biggest hospitals to say nothing of having the biggest house, driving the biggest car, owning the biggest farm. All too often such standards are applied religiously. Some judge the truth of a proposition by how many people accept it. They judge a church By the amplitude of its building, the magnitude of its programs, and the multitude of its members. Some even go so far as to suppose that the growth of a church necessarily proves that God is with them and approves of their actions. Now what's Brother Sewell Hall doing? He's reading The Old Testament narrative through the eyes of a disciple of Christ. He knows this narrative is a part of God's plan and says a lot about God and God's will. He knows that the scattering of nations was what God wanted. God's plan was to form the Jewish nation and Christ would come from that nation. But after all of that, he has discovered through the eyes of a disciple lessons within that story for us about man, man's obsession with bigness and God, God's obsession with His plan and His will. Well, that's all. As we engage in daily Bible reading, I hope what we'll do is have a refreshed interest in those narratives. But don't just look for a lesson or a sermon. See the narrative as part of the whole. God's scheme of redemption, which involved the nation of Israel and their history. And then look at the narrative through the eyes of a disciple, a learner, knowing that every valid, authentic element of character and discipleship that's in the New Testament is illustrated somewhere in an Old Testament narrative. It may be something good like obedience and courage and patience. It may be something we need to avoid as disciples. Adultery, idolatry, or spiritual laziness. But in all of this, we're going to remember what Paul said, for whatever was written in former days, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scripture, we might have hope. Let's be standing as we sing.